What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the No Bull Podcast. This is episode 11. Uh, our guest today really needs no introduction. He is a uh, he is a local legend in Dayton, Ohio. He's a local legend at actually at Ohio State University. Uh, he just I'm just going to run down a few of his accolades just so you can get a feel for who we have today. Um, 1984 Heisman runner up. 1984 Big Ten MVP, 1984 NCAA rushing, scoring, and all-purpose yards leader. Uh, he was a drafted first round, 10th overall to Philadelphia Eagles. He is a member of, got inducted last year to the 2020 uh, Hall of Fame, NCAA Hall of Fame. Uh, he played in the Super Bowl. This guy is a great golfer. Uh, I'm glad that I know him, call him a friend. Uh, we have Keith Byers welcome us. Keith, thank you for joining us, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be a part of the No Bull podcast. I wonder where the name Bull come from. I probably had something to do with Buffalo. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Not, nothing to do with Buffalo. <laughs> nothing oh, at okay. all, man. Nothing at all. <laughs> oh, no, I thought the Bills, Bulls, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, Keith, Keith, real quick. I, I feel like out of all the accolades and things that Josh just mentioned, the fact that you're a good golfer is probably the most important to you at this point in life. Am I right? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people, you know, they ask me, man, what's your handicap? And what's this? I'm like, man, I, I play golf because I'm a competitor. I love sports. I said, you know, I don't practice enough to try to have a super low handicap. And I mean, if you would do this and if you would practice more, and then I have to stop the person, and I'm like, you know what? I've had my sport. I was pretty darn good at. Do you have one? That kind of shuts them down. <laughs> do, you, do you know who I am? Yeah. Right. Like, I'm gonna lose no sleep because I three putt or miss a birdie putt. I'll be okay. <laughs> right. I mean, listen, listen, listen. Let's be real. Even J.R. Smith just shot like horrible score. So I mean, God, we're we're fine over here. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all good, man. Uh, so, so Keith, man, talk to us a little bit. Obviously, you grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, talk to us about what kind of led you to sports, and when did you know that you had a special gift that kind of set you apart from others? You, you know, sometimes when people say, you know, you're born with this, or other time you develop this, I don't never have that 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 moment, that epiphany. This is what I wanted to do. You know, you could ask me at any age in life what I wanted to be when I grew up. And the answer was always the same. You know, I want to be a professional football player, professional baseball player, one of those two. I always said that. I mean, I don't remember not thinking I wanted to be a professional football or baseball player or both. You know, my mother and father told me this would be a story when I was just a youngster, you know, not too old or too young for me to even remember. But I had, you know, like the umpire hat that, the, you know, baseball umpire had the little short mm -hmm. beard had a hat like that when I was a little kid and my uncle used to come over the house and snatch it off my head and I would start crying they were like would you please leave that hat alone you know somehow I don't know how I got a hold of because sports was always in my blood you know uh so I got my love of sports you know from my father and from you know he was uh you know he played softball you know so when you know I'm from a big family of five kids and, you know, mother and father. So it's seven of us going to the ballpark to watch my father play, you know, softball in the summertime. You know, he played softball for uh, his job and different other leagues. And, you know, so that's my earliest recollection of sports and going to a softball game when I was, you know, when I was a little kid. I mean, uh, so I always grew up watching my father wanting to play sports and whatever sport was on TV, you know, you 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 gonna get me to be real quiet because I'm gonna watch basketball, I'm gonna watch football, I'm gonna watch baseball. I'll even listen to the baseball on the radio when I was a kid. You know, so I love sports. I do not remember that epiphany moment like oh, I really like sports. I always love sports. You know, so I grew up. It was just in me. And the first organized sports team that I was ever played was baseball. You know, my my I'm the fourth of five kids. And um, my two older brothers, they didn't play football. They played baseball and they played basketball. 
And I did that because you want to hang with your older brothers. But uh, when it comes to football, they just we just only played football in the neighborhood. But they never wanted to be a part of a team. So as I got older, uh, and uh, here in Ohio, in Dayton especially, you could play, you know, like Pee Wee football. At that time, I think we would play uh, for like the local, uh, your school or something like that, or recreation. And so we started football in the fourth grade. You'd be on the fourth grade team, fifth grade team, and sixth grade team. Because, you know, and when I was in fourth grade, I, you know, come home from school, they gave me the, the sign-up slip. And because we didn't start football practice in July like they do now, you know, for that young age, you know, we started mm -hmm. football practice in September and, um, you, you know, basically, you know, you play September, October, November, your season's over with. So the first day, first couple of days of school in September, they would give you a you know, permission slip. So when I was in fourth grade, I bought the permission slip home. My father was at work. And I asked my mom to sign it because I want to play football. I want to get on the football team. And she said no. And the kind of household I grew up in, if you ask one parent the answer to a question, that was the answer for both parents. You, you know, so you didn't ask this parent mm -hmm. a question and get an answer. If you didn't like it, go ask the other parent. We didn't, my parents didn't play that. They answered <laughs> for both. <laughs> so I knew not to go ask my father, could I play football? So I didn't play in the fourth grade. And all my friends, they come to school on Friday, had their jerseys on because the games was on it, either Saturday or Sunday, and I didn't have a jersey. And they were like, why aren't you on the football team? Well, I mean, you know, my mom couldn't even sign me up. So when I'm in the fifth grade, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to ask my father. Go ask your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I don't care. Go ask your mom. Go tell your mom to sign it. No. I know the answer. <laughs> so I said, Mom, Dad said, well, you, you, you can sign this permission. You ain't playing no football. No. So, boom, I got shut down again. So, oh, wow. when I get to sixth grade, I get them both in the same room at the same time. Now, not, now, mind you, I've been talking football for the past two years. Even before that, I, you know, I'm now finally old enough to play in the fourth grade. So, when I'm in sixth grade, you know, hey, will y'all sign this? You know, we all signed this permission slip, and my father's like, I don't care, let it, let it, let the man, let the boy play. Mom was like, No, so I didn't get to play football for three years. And all my friends at school, they come, they you know, imagine, you know, you 11 and 12 years old, you're starting to mature a little bit, mm -hmm. and they're playing football, and I'm not. But we had recess during those years, and those years, the teachers be like, Y'all go out and have fun, recess, we can play tackle football, yeah. So <laughs> I would just dominate in the pickup games at school. And then they were like, this ain't the same because you ain't got no equipment on. I'm like, if I had equipment <laughs> on, it'd be worse. <laughs> I'd be doing that. But nevertheless, long story short, it wasn't until the seventh grade when I finally played organized football. When I was in junior high, I was at Trotwood Junior High. And uh, you didn't need a permission slip. And so I came home you know, told my mom that I was on the football team. She said, I ain't signed no slip. Well, you don't need one. Well, you ain't playing. And then I used their words against them. I said, y'all told me I, if I can't quit anything, you know, if I start something, I got to finish. That's and my smart. father was just rolling. He was <laughs> laughing so loud. And so my mother was like, yeah, he that joker got me. So that's how I got to play. And so when I was in seventh grade, my mother would come to the games. And which one is Keith? And she yelled when everybody else yelled. She didn't know <laughs> nothing about football. <laughs> By the time I graduated high school, she was calling plays and doing all this. So I'm like, wait a minute. I get into free education. <laughs> she had been right. with football, you know, <laughs> over those next five years, <laughs> five, seven years. So it worked mm -hmm. out. It works out. But, you know, I absolutely, I do not ever remember, you know, not wanting to play sports. I mean, um, I'm left-handed. Even though I play golf, right-handed. I'm naturally a left-hander and a left-footed. And I'm the only left-hander in my family. <laughs> and so my father was right-handed. I would borrow his glove and go outside and play with the guys in the neighborhood just to play catch. And, you know, so I would catch the ball, you know, with my left hand, with the glove hand, take it off and throw the ball back and put it back on. <laughs> Until I was able, you know, to get a used glove that I could, you know, uh, had a left-handed glove.
You know, so I was always active in sports. Whatever the season it was, that's what I was doing. And I absolutely love basketball. If I had only, if I'd have been taller, it would have been a decision for me to make. I probably would have been like somebody like uh, Tony Gonzalez, you know, between mm-hmm. football and basketball, which one I'm going to play. But I was better than basketball than Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> he was just taller. <laughs> you know, my basketball game, was Charles Barkley without the without the leaping ability? <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't jump like Charles, but that, I had a very physical game like Charles Barkley. So that's how that's why I equate my basketball game too. <laughs> mm. That's nice. And I got follow up too. Oh, my fault. I was. I got follow because I, I just I love your story, man. And, and I was I was my dad. My parents grew up in Dayton, so they know know of you. They know you. They talk about you. Uh, but you, you played so high school, man. Y'all actually won. Can you talk a little bit about high school? And, and y'all actually won state in basketball and track. Am I right? Not yes. football, though. Not in football. in football. Okay, so basketball uh, and track. Right. You know, I, I was in Trotwood school system from, from kindergarten through ninth grade. And that's when I transferred to Roth High School. Because, um, I, you know, nobody from Trotwood was getting college scholarships. You know, at that time, hardly ever. And it was holding back a lot of athletes, especially African-American athletes. Uh, and so I couldn't trust my future with, with out there with the Trotwood coaches and, and, and administration. I just wasn't going to do it. Uh, plus, I knew a lot of kids at Rolf, a lot of the, some of the coaches. So uh, my junior and senior year in high school was the same exact thing, just identical, you know, for the school year. So I was on the football team and the basketball team, and the track team, and the baseball team. So our football team, my junior year, we went undefeated. We go, you know, 10-0 in the regular season. Uh, we had uh, eight shutouts. <laughs> uh, only, and then and nine of those, eight, eight shutouts, but nine shutouts on defense. The first game of the mm-hmm. season when I was a uh, junior, uh, uh, somebody took a kickoff return back on us in the second half. Uh, you know, which the, wasn't against our defense, but the coach put it on us. <laughs> so <laughs> they scored six points, and that we we blew the team out. It was a team out of Cincinnati. Nobody scored on us anymore until the last game of the season. You know, uh, the, in the fourth quarter, last regular season game, somebody scored. And that year, our principal by the name Jim Caldwell, he was making bets with other, you know, Dayton public schools that if they scored on us, because they knew they wasn't going to beat us, that's how good we were. We know you won't beat us, but if you score, I'll let the other school's principal smash a pie in my face in the 50-yard line. <laughs> and if they don't, you know, if they don't score, I get to smash a pie in your face in the 50-yard line. You know, so that's how much school spirit we had amongst the school. And so our principal would come in the locker room and be like, y'all know I got my nice suit on tonight. I bet not get no you know, no pie smashed in my face. So, needless to say, he didn't do that. But we, you know, we went uh, undefeated and we made the state playoffs and we lost, you know, the first game of the playoffs uh, at that time. And uh, believe it or not, it was a different system than it is today. You could conceivably go 10 and 0 and not make the playoffs. And another school could go 8 and 2 and make the playoffs in your region. You know, mm-hmm. some kind of computer system and where they would do it, it would no way they wouldn't let you know how they figured out. So we go 10 and 0 and don't find out we're in the playoffs until like that Sunday. And we got a game next Friday. So need to say what kind of scouting report do we get? Right. Or anything like that. But nevertheless, that's how it was. And we lost that game. So we went then out, you turn the, the page and then we go to the basketball season. Now uh our team we we had we had one loss on the basketball team? We got cheated, uh, a team in, in Salina, Ohio, and we won the state Triple H state uh, basketball champ in 1981. And so I was on that team. <laughs> you know, so and that team had 11 players on varsity, nine seniors. I was the only junior and no sophomores and one freshman. We win the state. Then you go outside in the spring. We win the state in track. <laughs> And 
you know, I was on the track team. I ran the relays, four by one relay. So I, we won the team medal in that. And I was also playing baseball. I was playing baseball and track at the same time. The base, the track coach said, most of your baseball games are Monday through Thursday and the track meets are Friday or Saturday. Just come to the track meets on the weekends. So don't even worry about it. We have a dual meet throughout the week. Don't even worry about it. So you go play baseball because we need another sprinter. And I'm like, okay, fine. So that's what I did. That's how I was able to play baseball and track at the same time. And we went to track. So that's three state championships that I was, that I, uh, no, I'm sorry, two state championships that I won uh, my junior year. And then you come back my senior year, we do it again. You know, we go undefeated in, in football, lost in the state playoffs to Trotwood, um, won the state in basketball, played against Ron Harper, uh, who was at Kaiser. We beat, you know, uh, we went on, uh, you know, beat them in a tournament, win the state in basketball. And we went to state again and track and then the high school coach. <laughs> so that's how, that's how my high school career went. And um, as far as athletically. So I was a part of a uh, four state championship uh, teams in, uh, in high school. And uh, I don't know how many city state, city championships and regional or whatever that math, you know, comes up to. Yeah. And so that led me probably towards your next question. And that's, well, go ahead. I don't want to get ahead. I don't want to do all the time. Oh, no, I mean, like, no, you're good. I mean, no, you're good, man. Um, I mean, yeah, like everything you're saying is like, it's just absolutely incredible. The accomplishments, everything like that. Um, before we get to where I know Josh is going with the next question, I do want to take a step backwards real quick. Um, no, I know you had mentioned how your mom, you know, basically by like the end of like high school, I think you said maybe middle school, how she, she knew the whole playbook essentially and all that stuff. Um, it sounds like you had very supportive parents, you know, parents who, you know, got behind their kids and really, you know, pushed them and stuff like that. I mean, how, how important was that for you growing up and you know, how, how did that affect you? Oh, it affected me very positive. I I mean, uh, I call radio, you know, uh, or I do high school football every Friday night now. And when I'm at those games, I'm, constantly on the radio talking to the parents that are maybe driving in their car to get out and support high school football. You know, it's important that you go out there and watch a game because it means a lot to the players. And, you know, I had two of the best parents in the world. Everybody thinks their parents are the best, but, you know, I, I get that. But my parents were my, you know, my role models. You know, I had a lot of heroes, you know, sports heroes growing up and, you know, people you look up to outside of the home. And I honestly believe, you know, a child is raised, you know, like the old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. I believe that, but it starts at home. And, you know, uh, I had a great starting system, you know, my mother and father, whatever game that I was at, I knew I could look up in the stands and see my mother and father there, you know, whatever sport I was playing. And I, you know, I kept my parents busy. I was constantly, you know, uh, being, you know, being a part of little league baseball teams and football teams and travel this, and they would always figure it out, you know, to be there. You know, I kind of glossed over, you know, uh, my baseball career. So like I said, baseball was the first organized sport that I started playing. And we, I was playing locally, it's defunct now. It was a league called Townview before I went to first date in Little League. Uh, Townview had a baseball league. And when I was like um, eight years, nine years old, or 10 years old, you know, I, I started um, playing for them. And they was like, well, we don't have a T-ball team. Well, I, was, I don't want to play no T-ball anyway. Well, you got to play up. No, so I was like nine years old playing with my older brothers. We was all on the same team. You know, I'm nine and my brothers are 11 and 12. And we were playing on like a major league diamond of, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the bases are, instead of major league bases are 90 feet apart, theirs were um, 75 feet apart. Because <laughs> little league baseball diamond is between the bases like 60 feet. Yeah. So we were playing at like 75 feet, the way they, it was going. And I was a leadoff hitter. 
you know, I grew up playing a little, you know, baseball, you know, in a neighborhood and stuff like that. So it wasn't no big deal for me to play with my older brothers on an organized team. So the following year, they had a little more structure and they said, we got enough for T-ball and we need some kids to play T-ball. Keith, you're going to play T-ball. What? I was just playing on the big diamond. You know, so now y'all going to put me back at 10 years old and make me play T-ball? Yeah, I was I was so upset. I was so mad. I would hit a home run every time I get up the bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because no matter how, because they didn't even have fences. You know, the, the field I was playing. So the coach would tell, get back. He can hit it out there. No matter how far back they went, I would still hit it over the head. And if they did, they went back too too far, two times. You know, a few times they may have got way way deep. By the time they got the, the ball back in the field, infield, I'd already ran circled the base. <laughs> you know, like y'all might. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna hit. A, I'm gonna hit a home run. Because this is too easy for me. So then I transferred. Then I, I transferred the following year. You know, the, the league had ran out of money, and then I went to first Dayton little league and started playing there. And there was, you know, it was life changing. I met a lot of great people. What I just said earlier, as far as it takes a village to raise a child. At first day in Little League, it was a lot of positive male role models, black role models that I would meet at first date that followed me, you know, up until now. You know, they were just great mentors to me outside of my home that, uh, that, I, that I had good guys that I could look up to, as well as my father. When, when I'm not around my father, when I'm at the ballpark in the summertime, I got some other black role models you know, coaching me and molding me and, you know, making sure, you know, I stay on the straight and narrow. And I really appreciate all the positive things they imparted in my young, impressionable mind, you know, at the chat, uh, you know, at the time. It was really, you know, important to, to learn those life lessons, you know, at an early age. You know, I have two kids. I'll get to that later. But a lot of things that I say to my kids, they think it's original material because <laughs> they never heard it from another place. But it's from my parents and it's from my coaches. Yeah. That, that, that I quote quite often. <laughs> quite often. And my kids think it's just me. A few of them is me, but 90% of it is something that was taught to me along the way. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I think it's so important to 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 hear that come, especially coming from you, somebody who's done it all, seen it all. To, to know, you know, to tell the parents out there how important it is to go out and support your kids, <clears throat> support the local schools, even if you, you don't have a kid there, just so that the players see you in the stands. And, and I love that it takes a village because it really does. Um, nobody's ever got anything on their own. They may be put in the work, but they had help. They had people looking out for them along the way. So I, I truly, truly love that you said that. Uh, and now let's get back into your, your, so you obviously had a great, high school career, won four state championships in basketball and track, football, all world, all American, all everything. So what led you to pick Ohio State? Was it, how was your high school recruiting back then? Because this changed uh, from even when Alex and I was getting recruited to now. So I couldn't imagine, you know, back in the 80s how it was. So how was your, how was your high school recruiting, man? And what led you to the Ohio State? I had to put that on that. The Ohio yeah, State Yeah, the University. Ohio State University. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to, you know, no disrespect, man. <laughs> the Ohio State University. Yeah, yeah, real quick sidebar. Yeah. A lot of people don't know why it's the Ohio State University. But this is the, the, the short, quick answer to that question. It was probably back in the 70s. There was a meeting of a lot of university presidents at some conference. And um, different um, uh, presidents was getting up, you know, not introducing themselves and mentioning their school. And when it got time to the Ohio schools, you know, uh, Oklahoma State was saying, you know, OSU, Oklahoma State University, um, uh, it was, I can't remember the oh, OSU, Oregon State University. And so when it was time for the Ohio State guy, he's like, only one OSU, and that is the Ohio State University. Because when you say, <laughs> which school did you go? I went to OSU. Everybody knows you say OSU, you mean Ohio State. You don't mean Oregon State. You don't mean Oklahoma State. You know Ohio State. So, the university president said, the 
Ohio State University is the only OSU. And it's, and it's caught on. It's been catchy. They, we were saying it when I was in school, you know, in the 80s. So, but to answer your question, how did I come across that, 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 uh, that choice? You know, um, recruiting has changed so much over the years. It changed by the time I was getting recruited. From when Archie Griffin was coming out, he graduated high school 10 years. He's 10 years older than me. He came out in 72. I came out in 82. At that time, you could take as many college uh, visits as you wanted. A college could sign as many kids that they could afford to. So at that time, you know, when Archie Griffin was in college, Ohio State, Michigan was the big two and the little eight. Because Ohio State and Michigan would sign up as many kids as they would, they, they, they were also overloaded with talent. So schools like Illinois and Northwestern, you know, they couldn't get no talent because if you really was that good in the Big Ten, you're going to Ohio State or Michigan. So now, 10 years later, by the time I come out, you can't take unlimited visits. You can only take six visits instead of as many as you want. And a college only has 90 scholarships and they can only bring in uh, 30 recruiting class so um everybody you know has their favorite college that they grew up watching me i grew up watching ohio state uh you know love watching uh woody hayes stomp up and down the sidelines and watching you know archie griffin and cornelius green pete johnson brian bashnago randy gratishire all the great ohio state players before me i got to you know watch those guys and I, I love their uniforms. I absolutely love the Scarlet and Gray. <laughs> you know, I am, man, their, their uniforms are cool. That the Buckeye Leaf on the helmet, Woody Hayes. I fell in love with all of that. And I knew one day I wanted to be a Buckeye. You know, I said, man, if I, you know, I, I'm good enough to get me a scholarship, that's where I want to go. I want to go there. Now, fast forward, now I'm getting recruited. And, um, at that time, you know, you could take, you still can take as many uh, unofficial visits as you want. And colleges could really come talk to you at any time. You know, uh, the re, you know they really didn't have too many of a, of a dead period uh, of recruiting. And just one quick recruiting story. Um, you ever get a, the head football coach used to coach uh, named, by the name of Don Capers. Dom Capers was the coach for the uh, Jacksonville, I mean, the Carolina Panthers, yeah. defensive coordinator for a lot of years. Dom Capers was a college coach when I was coming out. And so Dom Capers was at the University of Tennessee. And so my junior, senior year, he recruited me so hard. I mean, Tennessee is only four hours away from here, Knoxville, Tennessee. He would drive up, you know, and be at my school at eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning. It's just almost like meet me at school. Or I see him after first or second period. And he would just come up and spend 10, 15, 20 minutes with me after talking to my high school coach, get in his car and drive back to Tennessee and be back there in time for their practice. You know, like he was coming up to me during the season, driving up here all season, you know, recruiting me hard for Tennessee. And so by my senior, by the time my senior year, and they be all these colleges are putting a hard sell on me, filling my mailbox every day, you know, with letters and call, you know, phone calls, you know, all of that. And thank God for I had two great parents, <laughs> you know, to keep me grounded. And you know, they was like, "Hey, don't be getting a big head in this house. <laughs> you ain't all that. Take the garbage out. Still do this. Do the chores." You know, so they 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 kept me straight, but they was like. Your choice is your choice. You know, we're not going there. We're here to assist you. You know, but the decision is all yours. We will help you. And they was, you know, so they heard a lot of information and they were like, Keith, you need to narrow your list down because you can't go visit all these schools. You only get to go to six. And I was like, okay. So needless to say, Tennessee was one of my uh, recruiting trips. But along the line, you know, toward the end of my recruitment, I still haven't committed. You know, I didn't commit to what school I was going to. You know, National Signing Day at that time was on a Wednesday. I committed on that, um, really, that officially that Monday. 
I committed the Monday before, but I, you know, I was keeping it under wraps. But uh, a few weeks before National Signing Day, Woody Hayes called me. You know, I'd never met Woody Hayes in my life. You know, I grew up watching him, and this is 1982, and he got fired, you know, from Ohio State in 19, after the 90, 1978 season. So he's no longer the coach at Ohio State. But he's Woody Hayes. He's, he's a legend. And my sister said, Woody Hayes is on the phone. Who? He's <laughs> calling me. I pick up the telephone, and it's Woody Hayes. Because everybody, you know, you grew up, you know Woody Hayes' voice. You know, I've seen him, right. you know, all my life, watching him on Saturday. And he spoke to me, said, is this Keith? I said, yes, sir. And he proceeds to rip me a new one. He's cursing me out. <laughs> he was like, why in a blankety blank have you not committed to Ohio State? What is wrong with you? I was like, Woody Hayes. <laughs> he said, do you want to be great? Yes, sir. Well, all great players from Ohio, they stay in Ohio. If you want to be great, you go to Ohio State. There's no other place for you. I was like, oh, so I mean, he went on and on, probably like at least five minutes, just, and, and I'm smiling. I'm, I'm just so excited to be on the phone with Woody Hayes. You can say anything you want to. I'm talking to Woody Hayes. And the following week, I was visiting. I had already had a schedule for my official visit. And he said, what are you coming? Are you are you visiting our state? I said, yes, sir. Uh, I want to meet you. I want to meet you, too. Uh, well, right, well, I hope to see you. When I, I want to meet you when you come here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I couldn't wait to get to Ohio State for my visit. So when I get there on my recruiting visit, that Saturday, me, Earl Bruce, and uh, Woody Hayes met at this, this it's no longer closed, it'd be a famous restaurant in Columbus that Woody Hayes used to go to all the time. It's called The High Lot. So I went there for lunch with me, Woody Hayes, and uh, Earl Bruce. And I was just like, I may have said four or five words. because Woody did all the talking. Earl did some talking, but Woody did most of the talking. And I was like, I'm smart enough to shut up and listen, because these guys are dropping pearls of wisdom on me. And I, I mean, that, I, that's the lunch I would never, ever forget. I wish we had social media back in those days, because I would have certainly, you know, going to take a picture. Hey, let's, let's, can we take a selfie together? <laughs> you know, I would have mm -hmm. loved to have done that. But, you know, it was a different day, a different time. But uh, uh, all, of, you know, all the colleges, after a while, it starts to, to say the same. And and I, like I said, I grew up an Ohio State fan. If you grew up an Ohio State fan, you got to hate Michigan. And I did. But when you're 18 years old and you get you know, confronted with this for the first time in your life, it's tough because now Bo Schembechler, who's a coach at Michigan at the time, he calls me and wants to come to my house for a visit. And I'm like, for what? I'm like, oh, what do you, Bo Schembechler, I'm respectful. How do I tell him no? He can't come visit. You know, the entire one. Okay, but I know this meeting ain't going nowhere. I ain't not that impressed with you. I'm trying. You know, I mean, I'm really just, you know, saying that. But in reality, I was mm -hmm. like, man, that's what he. That's bullshit back there. I mean, yeah. I, he's the bad guy, but I <laughs> right. talked to him. Everybody gets some secrets from him. Two hours later, he sat in my living room for two hours. And I know by the time he left, we had already he pulled out his pen and paper, and then got his, uh, his uh, calendar out. And I, that was my first official visit was to Michigan. I'm like, told him not, this ain't a fair him, fight. Did you did you tell him not to wear Michigan gear when he showed up? You didn't want the neighbors to see Well, him. no, I don't. I wish I, I wish I had, but I didn't. He come in with the Michigan M and all that stuff. But he got me to visit. Yeah. That's not a fair fight. I'm only 18. He's a professional. Right. Man, trip on me, man, and then next thing you know, I was visiting Michigan. I'm like, "What is wrong with me? What is wrong?" With me? <laughs> you know, but you know, hey, uh, but of my visits, my six visits, you know, I was supposed to go on. That was my worst. So when I say it was my worst, it was my first, the worst, and this is what makes it the worst. You know, I, I had a good time overall with you know with the players you know, doing a campus tour and all that. But everybody had told me, when you start taking these college visits, make sure you eat. Eat, because you're never going to be wined and dying like that ever again in life. 
So you order the most expensive things on the menu, everything you want. You just got to just, you got to eat it, man. You got to go for it. Okay. So on that Friday, when I get to Michigan, I'm basically ordering the menu. You know, whatever they offer, I'm like, yeah. The guy said, uh, you want a, you want a salad? Yeah. You want a shrimp cocktail? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just not finding out what a shrimp cocktail is. At this age. I never had no shrimp I'll take cocktail. it all. <laughs> I'll take it all. What about oysters on the half shell? I think I've seen that in a movie before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want a steak? Yeah. What, you want a big one? Yeah. Want a porterhouse? Okay, what's the porterhouse? That's the biggest. <laughs> yeah. I want a porterhouse. That's it. <laughs> Boy, I ate everything that night. And dessert. Boy, when we was on the way back to the hotel, I was like, Coach, uh, I think you need to pull over. <laughs> You're like, what we <laughs> My stomach ain't never had all this in it before. We got to pull over. I'm like, huh? We soon as we got in the parking lot of my hotel, everything I had for dinner, half of it was in the parking lot. The other half was in his car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, That's why I know I shouldn't be here anyway. <laughs> that's why I feel that's just a sign that's yeah that's a, a sign. sign I can't come here I appreciate I the food here. but I'm out I'm out right. <laughs> yeah so that's my visit to Michigan <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, no but when it comes time to make the decision I mean it's it's a very hard decision to make no matter how easy it may seem or hard it is it's a tough decision because I've told kids you know, when I was coaching at one time, you know, your college choice is the two biggest decisions you're going to make in life that you're going to always be associated with for the rest of your life. And by that, I said, because uh, when you go to college, you're going to always be affiliated with it. Who you marry, mm -hmm. you'll always be affiliated with that person, whether you get divorced or not, y'all always will have a connection. That's bigger than what job you take. Because you we change jobs all the time. That's a big decision. I want to work at this company or this. But that can change. It ain't that big. It's a big decision, but it ain't the biggest. It's not something that, that will follow you all the way. You can end up leaving it off your off your resume someday. Nobody's going to care. <laughs> Unless they really mm -hmm. dig in. You know, it's not that big a decision as far as where you go to college and who you marry. And who you married, that don't have to come at 18. That come at 28, 38, 50. There's no pressure on that. And so that's a lot of pressure on a 17, 18-year-old individual to make the biggest decision of his life that he's going to always be affiliated with, associated with. And, you know, you don't choose a college out of high school with the intent, I'm only going to be here for a year, then, and, you know, outside of a junior college. But, you know, you're getting a scholarship. You plan on being there for the next four years. And you plan on always being alumni and thinking positive thoughts about that college for the rest of your life. Because as you get older, Josh, you know, you know, I mean, where'd where, you go to school? Hey, you say it. I went, I went to, you know, Ohio State, I went to Buffalo, I went to mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. Right. No matter what, it's going to always follow you. So that's the, 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 and I think a lot of times parents and individuals, forget how big a decision that is for the, you know, for, I call it a child, for a child to make at that age, that he's always going to, so it, don't rush. There is no rush, you know, to judgment on that decision. Take all the time you need, you know, you really do. I mean, cause you're getting some free education. Don't take it, don't take it lightly. And so, you know, appreciate it. So uh, me choosing Ohio State, you know, there, I've had a whole lot of good days there, had a few bad days there. But at the end of the day, you know, I have no regrets. Not one regret about choosing, you know, Ohio State University, you know, the school I want to always be, you know, affiliated with, associated with. Because, I mean, I, I I get a lot of, I get warm and fuzzy thinking about it all the time. You know, when I go back there on campus, it's changed a lot from the time I was there. But, yeah, that's still my university. And is I'm always going, you know, be associated with it, and you know, yeah, I, I have no, no, no doubt, no, no, um, you know, no second doubts about the choice that I made. No, that's a, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. I, that's what do you what do you say 
what do you say to Bo and Woody when they call you? You know what I mean? Like, like what do you say? Do you, do you just be like, all right, yes, or no? Do you, yes, I'll go, no? So that's crazy that you actually got to speak to both of them. You got to meet both of them. And, you know, they're such iconic. And I, I know growing up in Ohio, man, you're right. It's Ohio State, you hate Michigan. Michigan hates Ohio State, and it's a big rivalry. So to be on both sides a little bit to see that is is truly is truly special, man. So thanks for sharing right. that, man. No, no problem, man. I mean, I don't. It, 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 it's you know, I'm very blessed to be a part of that and know those individuals, you know, as you know, on 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 a whole lot of levels. Like I was at Ohio State for four years, and I never played for Woody Hayes. But for four years, every time he saw me, he would come up to me and ask me how my mother and father was doing. Not just how's Mr. and Ms. Byers. My mother and father's names are Reginald and Margaret, Reggie and Margaret Byers. He would ask, how's Reggie and Margaret doing? I'm like, how you remember my parents' first name? You met them one time on a Saturday night at a recruiting dinner. Yet you remember their names. You know, I'm like, wow, how, he's that good? I mean, and so when I was at Ohio State, when uh, Woody would show up to practice, no matter when he showed up at practice, whether he showed up at the beginning, the middle, or the end of practice, a lot of times he would just sit there and watch us practice. And other times, he may want to share a couple, you know, uh, drop a couple of uh, pearls on the football team. And he would look at Earl Bruce and Earl like, now? And he like, yeah. And he would blow the whistle. Everybody come up, take a knee. Coach Hayes wants to talk to you. I mean, and like I said, that could be at any point in practice. After a while, we were like, Coach Hayes, please talk to us at the end of practice. Because if you come at the, at the beginning of practice, Coach ain't going to cut practice down. We're going to still be out here. And almost all his speeches start off, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I just want to <laughs> share this. And you're like, oh, boy, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a while. I mean, and he could talk to us for – I think his shortest speech may have been 15 minutes, but a lot of times they were in the half hour to 45 minute range. And then Coach Bruce would blow the whistle. All right, let's go pick it up where we left off. Like, oh boy, dinner's gonna be late tonight. <laughs> you gotta you gotta restretch after a meeting like that. Exactly. <laughs> I've been on one knee and I'm gonna switch knees and okay. <laughs> but uh, I said, I really appreciate I mean, they was dropping pearls of wisdom on you. Like, wow, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's Coach Hayes, man. You know. And it was cool, it, you know, and you could, he had an office at the uh, ROTC building and you could just drop in there at any time and just say, hey, hey, Coach Hayes, how you doing? And he would speak to you, you know, it was just so personable, even though he wasn't the head coach, because that's who I wanted to play for. I, you know, who didn't want to play for Woody Hayes? But I would have loved to, you know, play for him. But outside of getting to play for him, I did get to know him. And, uh, you know, I saw him on numerous occasions that I, don't, you know, don't, you know, and now retrospect, I'm glad I did always take that extra time to say, hey, Coach A, <laughs> you know, all the time, yeah. you know, because you never know when you see him. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Like, you know, and like for me, like, I mean, I, I had a different path. You know, I only had one school that was interested in me. Uh, I only had one Division One scholarship offer. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't imagine – at 17, 18 years old, you know, I'm having all, having all these grown men essentially fighting over me, you know, manipulating me to a degree and like having to make a decision that was going to shape the rest of my life like that, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's tough. It's tough. But, you know, another reason why I had to work even that much harder in high school, like I said, I'm the fourth of five kids. My oldest sister uh, she wasn't no athlete, so she went to St. Clair, which was a community college here in Dayton. She went to St. Clair for a year. And then my two older brothers, one of them went to Urbana for a year, then he transferred to Central State for another year. Then my other brother went to Central State out of high school for a year. But um, they all everybody came back home. They didn't finish college, not because they weren't academically eligible to finish college, they just didn't get a scholarship. And my father was like a tweener. He made too much money and not enough money. You know, he made, you know, too much money where, you, you know, where you got to pay for your own kids to go to college, but he didn't make enough money to pay for them to go to college. And my father told me, well, I done put three, sent three kids to school and three of them couldn't, couldn't finish school. 
because we didn't have the money. You know, we didn't. I didn't come from that kind of a you know uh, money background. You know, we weren't on welfare, but we were far from rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my father told mm-hmm. me, "We're not even gonna do it. We've done that charade three times. We're not doing it with you. You're not going to college unless you get a scholarship." So that leaves you with two other choices. You're either going to join the military or you're going to have to get a job when you graduate. You don't want the third. You don't want the, the other choice, <laughs> which was get out. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. And so, you know, I didn't want to go to military, you know, and I wasn't ready to get no job, you know, because I love sports. I, I, I got I to gotta get me a scholarship. So I'm going to make sure my grades stay up and, you know, I'm going to grind out here, you know, you know, on in, on the sports show. I'm going to get me a free. I'm going to get me a scholarship. You know, I don't care where, even though I want to go to Ohio State, but where whoever's paying, that's where I'm going. And I was fortunate to, you know, to, to have a pick of the litter of colleges. But, you know, I had that extra motivation. It was like, you ain't going to go to college for a semester if, it's on, if you're waiting for us to pay. And I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> you know, I just mm, keep yeah. it real. And we didn't have it. So if, you, if I want to go, this is how you're going to go. So I made it happen. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's big, man. That's big. And I mean, it's, 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 somebody has to, to kind of break either generational curses or, or set the standard, you know, or, or break the, the, the not going to college and not finishing cycle, right? Somebody has to break the cycle. So to be one of the first ones to do that um, is is huge. So when you get to Ohio State, um, and we're gonna we're gonna get into your '84 season because here in a second. But talk about your first practice at Ohio State. Like, what do you remember? Were you kind of in awe? Was it easy for you? Like, like what was your first practice at the Ohio State like? Well. Uh... Well, the first practice kind of, well, you, you remember, I don't think they even do it this way. When I was in school, um, you know, when a, when a freshman report, they report three days before the rest of the team to get them kind of acclimated in. So the first three days at Ohio State was just all freshmen and walk-ons. So we're there, we're getting a lot of reps, but it's like a high school. Because the varsity isn't here yet, you know mm-hmm. the guys, the, the returners aren't there yet. Because when they get to campus, you know, you know, uh, you're a freshman. Nobody's got time to tell you where you line up in the huddle. You know, nobody because you know we get ready for the season, so they get those three days, to, you know, to get your feet wet. And then you know uh, when the varsity comes in, all those reps you got for those first three days, they're gonna go away. You're going to start running scout team and you're going to do this and that and the other. So you got to make your name, you know, quick. So I guess when you ask me what was the first day of practice, like I'll start when the varsity comes in. You know, when the big boys come in. You know, so now when they came, when they came to practice, you know, the guys you've been watching on TV the last two to three years, you're like, oh, okay, that's, I met some of y'all on my recruiting visit, but now we are here and, you know, for real. That was, you know, different from the standpoint where it's one thing to meet you in street clothes and, you know, you're trying to, get, you know, get me to come here. Now we got helmet and shoulder pads on and now we trying to get it. That was, you know, that was, you know, the different, you know, competitive juices come out. And, you know, prior to that first practice with the varsity, you know, we were in the weight room doing our, uh, our, you know, our conditioning tests and things of that nature. And, you know, I was never no weightlifting guy. You know, I, 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 conventional weightlifting, I should say. You know, I shoveled snow and picked up stuff and uh, all that. But, you know, I, we didn't have no weight room in my high school. We had that one universal machine that a high school high schools had. You could fit in a closet and that's where you lift your weight. Uh, so we did our bench press. I wanted to be able to three 300 pounds. If I could bench 300 pounds, that just sounds good. And I went out at 295. You know, 295 was my, I couldn't, you know, uh, that was it. That was, I, I, I couldn't, I, they put 300 on the bar. I couldn't do it. And I'm looking around the room and then a whole lot of other freshmen couldn't do 300 either. 
a few of them did, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not as weak as I thought I would. I thought, you know, okay. But then our starting outside linebacker, a guy by the name of Kirk Curtis, he came in the weight room, and he was struggling to get 225 up. And everybody in the locker room, I mean, the weight room started laughing at him. And he got off the, off the bench press and started cussing out everybody that was laughing, saying, this ain't football. And he pointed toward the field outside. Football's out there. This ain't football. So then when we started practicing, the same guys that was laughing at him and a lot of offensive linemen were laughing at him. He was picking up 300-pound linemen and dropping them in the quarterback's back, sacking the quarterback, just creating havoc out there. There's a reason why I'm a starting linebacker around here. And when the think about the second or third day of practice of, of, with our pads on, I was playing fullback my freshman year at Ohio State. Uh, we ran a toss uh, to, the, um, to the tailback. And my job was to block the linebacker. If he shoot through, I got him. If he scrapes outside, I still got him. You know, the, the middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. And so I'm running to my left, and Kurt was the outside linebacker. He hit me with a forearm, you know, to my head. You know, I didn't see him because he wasn't my guy. But he saw me, and he lit my fire. <laughs> Bam, knocked me out. So I go back to the huddle, and it was a, you know, hot summer day. And I'm wiping the sweat off my brown, wiping it on my pants. And the coach asked me, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. You sure you're okay? I'm like, yeah. And he said, get out of the huddle. Get out. I'm like, why? Out my eye, I thought when I was sweating, I was bleeding. I had, <laughs> you know, he did a big old cut over my eye. I was dizzy, <laughs> and I'm wiping it, you know, the sweat on my pants. Then I looked at my yeah. pants. That was big old blood. I was, my eye was just gushing. <laughs> you know, with blood. But, you know, I was like, what the heck was that about? So that night, whenever they stitched me up, we we eating dinner. And so I walk over to Kurt. I'm like, man, I need to talk to you, man. I, I ain't mad that you gave me stitches for the first time in my life. But what was that? You know, and he's telling me, he said, Keith, I know you got heart. I could tell that. Them dudes that were laughing at me in the weight room, a lot of them dudes ain't got no heart. You know, and I'm like, I got plenty of heart. He's like, so, you know, you don't know how to play with leverage. It don't matter how much you bench press if you can't bring it to the field. If you can't do this, and now, so I'm like, sure. you my hero, man. We okay. <laughs> we, uh, you know, you got me, but I'm going to get you back one of these days, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I love that mentality that he was talking about, you know. It was like, And I saw that, as you, you sure you know, plenty of guys can lift the weight room, but then you get outside on the field, what happened to all that strength there? Why are you getting, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of bad <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, I, that's what, you know, but it was real competitive. I mean, just to see, you know, how fast and how big and how good these guys were. And it was probably midway during my freshman year. I put it, you know, I put an old videotape of me in high school. And I looked at my high school film. And I was started laughing at myself. I'm like, look how slow I was going. I thought I was moving so fast, you know, but I was high school fast. Now right. the college game is so much faster. I'm like, man, if I go, I was jamming in high school. I wish I'd go back to high school now. I would kill them kids even worse. You know, <laughs> but that's just how the competition level increases as you increase. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. I mean, could it, and I was like, this is what it, you know, it took what you did in high school to get you to this college level, you know, and, you know, now you playing with some really good dudes. Are you one of them? Can you hang with these guys or is it, is it too much for you? You know, so that's the question I got to answer to myself. And I'm like, I'm in, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. You know, so that's how that self-motivation. You know, okay, I want to be this guy. I want to be the guy. I want to start around here. Uh, you know, that's why I came here. You know, you, if you, you could dream something, but are you afraid of your dream? Or is it just a dream? Mm-hmm. You got to don't be afraid to fail. And don't be afraid to succeed. And so, you know, I, you know, I, like I said, I go back to it earlier when you asked me, when did you fall in love with this? Man, I, I knew, I was like, I can't wait to do it. Now, I remember mm-hmm. one of my freshman teammates told me, man, you, can you believe we here? 
man, look at these guys. We was watching them on TV last year. We're one of them now. Now look, I'm like, wait a minute, dude. I ain't impressed. We was wanting to be here. <laughs> right. Man, I'm only impressed with the pros now. When I was in high school, right. I was impressed with the college guys. I'm one of them now. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, oh, oh. And then mm. he was like, oh, I don't mean it that way. I said, no other way for that not to mean that. You're intimidated. You know, come on, man. Buck up. Let's go. That's what we want. That's why we're here. <laughs> you want to mm. be a part of this. You know, that, you know, was like an indicator to me, even at that time, like, like everybody's not going to get the opportunity to play on Sunday. <laughs> right. You know, everybody, you know, this guy, this is wearing him out. You know, what? that's why you chose, you signed to come here, to play against the best of the best. What you want. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I always tell them, when I, a lot of times when I talk to kids, you know, I tell them dreams do come true. I'm a living example of dreams coming true. Yeah, whatever your dream is, but don't be afraid to dream and don't be afraid to reach out on your dream and, and go and make it happen. You know, a lot of people, you know, uh, living someone else's dream or afraid mm. to admit their own dream because they don't want to be laughed at. You know, right. which takes me back to my to my father you know, who's my, my hero, you know, my role model and I miss him every day. He's been you know, deceased since 1987. I was a young child and a man asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I told him I want to be a professional, you know, athlete, professional football, baseball player. And I'm telling you, I cannot be no older than eight or nine years old at the time. And the man laughed at me. And he said, <laughs> you can't, man, that's one to me. You ain't going to be no pro football player, no baseball And my father went off. My father was a minister. <laughs> I ain't never seen my father get that mad. My father jumped in that man's face and told him, don't you ever tell my son what he can or cannot be. If he said he gonna do it, he gonna do it. Uh, don't you ever talk to my son that way. I'm like, whoo, Pop. Oh, you never seen, I ain't never seen that part of you before. <laughs> but it left such an impact on me. I'm like, this guy believes in me. If mm -hmm. he's that passionate about his son, I can't let this dude down. I mean, he yeah. ready to come to blows with this man talking to his son this way. And I'm like, man, my father believe in me. He, he, you know, that man believe in me. You know, so I'm like, man, I can't let this guy down. No, no, I mean, because that's good parenting, believing in your child's dream and nurturing right. your child's dream instead of crushing your child's dream and telling your son or daughter he can't be this guy and the other. You know, I like, don't put limitations on your child. Don't do that. You can, you know, mm. of course, you be realistic with them, you know, saying, man, it's going to be like if I'd have told my father, Dad, I want to be a singer. I've heard you sing, Keith. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> that's, not, that's not in the cards for you, Keith. That's, that's not, not in the cards for you. Keith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that I, that I part, it. I get it. Yeah. Right. You know, anything else, like, you know, what, what you know is a table, you know your child can achieve. Hey, that's your job as a parent, you know, to push them and to support them in it. And, and you got youth on your side, you can still change your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to hate when parents tell their high school kid what they did and all that stuff. It ain't your time. Your time is over with. It's your son right. and daughter's time. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> you had your moment. It's over. Mm -hmm. So when my no, son I, was I, following me, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, I, I get it. Um, I remember in middle school, we had an assignment. We had to write, um, we had to pick a CEO of an organization that we wanted to work for and like write to them basically. And I picked to write to the Philadelphia 76ers because I was a big Allen Iverson fan at the time and I wanted okay. to play for the 76ers. And my teacher told me to pick a more realistic profession. And my mom wow. went off. And the second I like, you know, it was just a priority free agent contract that I signed with the, uh, the Bengals. But the second I, I had forgotten all about this whole thing. The second I signed that contract, my mom's like, you should go back to your middle school and you show that teacher about what realistic dreams are. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, she see your mother held on to that. She's that, that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I love it. That goes back to, you know, the, what we talked about a little earlier about how important it is for parents to show that, you know, that, that to invest back into your kids. And, and, and honestly, and this is what I see a lot of times, it's hard for parents to let go of things that they maybe have did not achieve, right? And try to push that on their kids and, and not let their kids kind of live life for themselves. So I love that you said that, man. I, I truly do, because I think everybody needs to hear that. And, and you're dropping gems today, Keith. I pre- truly appreciate it, man. And with that being said, I think that's a good spot for us to stop for this week. Uh, this is the end of part one. Thank you all for listening. Tune in, tell a friend, bring somebody, share it on your social media for next part two next week um, as we continue the conversation with Keith and, and he talks more about his historic 1984 season, um, life in the NFL, um, lessons learned. You don't want to miss it. God bless. See you all next week.